0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of The Business Book Show, and it is my personal honor to be interviewing my ghostwriting mentor. So before I was ghostwriting, um, I was copywriting, and then I stumbled into some ghostwriting gigs. But it wasn't until um, Claudia Suzanne took me under her wing. Um, I took her, her then-private uh, ghostwriting certification course that I've really learned how to be a professional ghostwriter. Um, so since that time, uh, Claudia has uh, taken her ghostwriting course, and actually it's been um, folded into California State University at Long Beach's um, continuing education program. It's become an actual professional certification recognized by the state of California. Um, it's the first of its kind. Claudia had uh, put together the world's first conference on ghostwriting. She wrote the world's first textbook on ghostwriting. She uh, just recently released the fifth edition of this business of books. Her book about the the overview of the publishing industry uh, really soup to nuts. Uh, whenever it comes to ghostwriting, she is really the the first and, and last word. Uh, could go on and on about um the things that she's she's got i don't know 150 200 some odd invisible credits to her name not uh, that's not even counting however many manuscripts um she's line edited uh but she spends all of her time or just about all of her time these days coaching and working with um other writers and ghostwriters to uh launch literary careers as uh as she says so all of that to say uh, thank you for coming on the show today, Claudia and welcome
1: well thank you very much Derek that was that's just really nice stuff that you said. I am delighted to be here, and I am delighted to be talking to your audience of uh aspiring business book writers because business books you know are part of the background backbone of of the book industry there 's never a dearth. We always need more business books they can be used in so many different ways they can you can apply so many different biotech subject headings to them, and you can uh, open up so many markets for them. There, You can even get um, if if you if you position your book correctly, you can even get a, a bank loan to finance your business book because it's a marketing tool. I've been saying this for decades. Um, the best marketing tool is a business book. It really is. And um, so I love talking to business writers. I, I love talking to people who are putting together business books. And I love helping them understand the new uh um landscape of the business world. I know you are on top of the business world far more than I am because you specialize in business books. I do not specialize in them, but I do uh do my fair share. In fact, I um two of my um clients right now are are aspiring business book writers. Well, one is a, a well published business book writer and um I'm sure that this new one that we're putting together is going to uh, do extremely well as as usual. And the other author is somebody who's just sticking his toe into the business book waters, and so he's kind of wiggling a little at the fact that it's wet in there. It's wet in those waters.
0: <laughs> you mentioned the uh, the changing landscape. I mean, you've been in this industry, and, and please forgive me if if this is um, you know uh dating you uh, a little bit, but you've been in the industry for thirty some odd years i mean you, you've that you've seen it um you know, radically changed book to, into the book publishing in general and business books um uh specifically can you uh you know in, in just whatever time you want, can you talk about how much it's it's changed and how different that landscape looks today than it did uh you know even even just ten years ago?
1: oh, well, how about even just four years ago okay it's changed it's changed enormously let's a, a little bit of a history thing here uh now, try not to stammer too much, which I have now found i do on a a regular basis um it used to be, lo those many decades ago, that if somebody had an idea for a book, they put together a proposal. They worked on that proposal for you know weeks, months, years, and they found a literary agent who believes in them. And that literary agent would shop that proposal for weeks, months, and years, and then would find a publisher. And they would all huddle together: their writer, the agent, and the publisher, and they would make. A wonderful book and when you went to Barnes and Noble or you went to Borders Books or you went to Dalton Books or you went to whatever place that you went to for your books a little bookshop around the corner you knew that the book that you were buying the physical book that you were buying was a well-constructed easy to read very informative book especially a business book because that's what it was all about and the business books were all about helping people you a better, you know, build their businesses well, and 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 we all took them to heart. Fast forward to after December 2009, when the print industry kind of imploded on itself, thanks to the technology and globalization of the world and society and our business and blah 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 blah. Okay, now we have an enormous number of people in business for themselves. The number of consultants, business consultants, has exploded from handfuls to tens of thousands just in America alone, just in America alone. And they travel all over the world from America and to America. There are probably hundreds of thousands of business consultants out there trying to help people build their businesses or get the business started, uh, grow their business from a startup to something you know, um, that, that's actually going to be uh, viable, grow it to the million dollar mark, grow it to the $5 million mark, grow it to taking a public mark, grow it from being a uh, an excellent, um, uh, growing, you know, exploding, wonderful business to being world class, that's the new world class, global class, um, international, blah, blah. We have hundreds, tens, thousands, Tens of thousands of um, business consultants out there helping millions and millions of small, medium, large, and um, global businesses do better, continuous process improvement. If I hear those three words together one more time, I may take a a shift to my my, uh, wrist. It's just, it's just constant. It's constant. Everything has to get better and better and better because the world now runs more on business than on anything else. Now, there are people who will say it's always run on business, um, and that's probably true, but it wasn't as obvious and it wasn't as global because we didn't have instant communication everywhere. But today, we not only have businesses that are you know international or businesses that are national and trying to become international, or even businesses that are regional and trying to become national, or businesses that are local and trying to become regional, to become national, to become international, blah, blah, you get the idea. We have entrepreneurs, we have the solopreneurs, we have all of that, and we have all of those consultants, and every single solitary one needs a book. I hate to say this, but it's true. They all need a book. Every speaker, every business speaker needs a book. Why? because it used to be you could send out brochures and you could just hand out your business cards, but it doesn't, it, that's, that's useless now. And it used to be that you could have a website and the website was good enough and business would come to you on the internet, but no, that won't, not so much anymore. Yes, you have to have a web presence, but you have to have a face of the business and the face of the business better be on the back cover of a book. I, I wish it wasn't that way, but it is that way, so why? pretend that it isn't. And even more, that face needs to realize that they're not that person is not just talking to everybody else that they've been in business with for all these decades. That this that face has to realize that they're now talking to people in their teen, teenagers, teenagers, and in their early twenties, not people aren't waiting until they finish their degrees to go out and start their businesses. People are starting their businesses when they're 12 and 13 years old by the time they hit 17 or 18, they're already millionaires. The millennials need business help. They need it as much as, if not more than, the people who have been in business for the last five or 10 or 15 or 29 years, okay? But they don't want it in the same language and they don't want it in the same presentation as the traditional business book. Here, let me tell you all about what you need to know. I have this recitation of facts, and I have that recitation of facts, and I have this proof, and that proof, and what have you. No, they've been on the internet. They've grown up on computers. They've grown up on the internet. They do not know a time when their world was not... Uh, uh, um, what, what? focused on 140 characters, okay? <laughs> we communicate by 140 characters, and you laugh, but we put a man in the White House on 140 characters. We put people in jail <laughs> on 140 characters. We have divided this country, and we are dividing the world. We are polarizing people on 140 characters, so those business people those young millennials, those people who are coming up to take over the world, which is not such an amazing thing because the younger generation has always come up to take over the world since the beginning of time. That's how life marches on. This new generation though, has a totally different mindset and they speak a different language and they want it shorter and they want it complete. And they want to get the information and they want you to tell them a story. They want it entertaining. And they want it in they want it in internet language. They don't want it chunky. They want the whole thing because they want to build their business. They got this great idea. They start their dot com. Oh my God. You know, mom and dad don't have to worry about, you know, coming up to the college for them anymore because they can pay off mom and dad's mortgage. And by the way, they're going to buy mom and dad a Rolls Royce, and they're going to buy mom and dad anything they want. And when they start dating, wow, well, they'll have money to go to the prom because they're becoming millionaires very, very young because they have the ideas. And business books need to address that. Because those people, those young people who are starting these industries, who are starting these incredible new businesses, they have no idea what the hell they're doing. They know what they know, which, by the way, has always been the case in business. And it's always been the case that the person with the incredible idea has to bring in other people. That's why there are so many business consultants out there. Because, for instance, I know my business. I know ghostwriting. You don't want to be around me when I'm trying to do my own taxes. I will never do my own taxes again because I don't know that part of the business. I'm not a numbers person, I'm a words person, okay? And when it comes to hiring employees and it comes to having to deal with government regulations and if I was manufacturing anything and I had to deal with um, uh, OSHA and all of those other acronyms, because the acronyms that are out there and, and the regulations and, and every new law that gets passed and everything that's changed and, changed and changed and changed and changed and which bathroom can, you know, how many bathrooms do I have to have for my employees and what have you, all of this stuff is important. And that 17 year old who's now a millionaire and wants to keep growing his business or her business has no idea what to do with it. They're either going to sell it off, take their money and run, or they're going to start to learn and grow and do more with their organization. And in order for them to do that, they need the business book from the people who have come before them that can tell them, okay, here's where you are. Now you got to think about this, and you got to think about that, and you got to look at the other thing. And don't worry so much about that right now over there. Yeah, I know a lot of people are making noise about that. You don't have to worry about lean and agile and six segment and blah blah blah. That's later, right now. You have to get down to the nuts and bolts and look at this and look at that and look at the other thing. But, and you can start hiring people, but you need a book on how to hire people. And you need a you need information. Information is the most valuable thing in today's world. And it's gotta go beyond 140 characters. So business book writers and aspiring business book writers need to keep these kinds of audience considerations in mind when they sit down or they wander around their organizations or they wander around their, um, their consulting, you know, businesses their consulting app and figure out not just what am I gonna say, but who am I gonna say it to? And no, you can't write a separate book just for the millennials because they're not the entire market, not yet. So you have to say it in such a way that it appeals across the boundaries, but you have to keep in mind that there are boundaries to cross. And that's what I mean by the landscape changing. Does that make sense?
0: I think that's a, a great point because you know, so many so many business authors um, especially in their, you know, maybe in their 40s or, or 50s have the the model that the business book that they write needs to look like the business books that they've read. And the business books that they've read are Good to Great and In Search of Excellence and uh, Outliers and some of these really thick academic leaning type, types of, of books. And there's a place for those and a market for those. But the trade audience—if you want to to try to capture the broader um, trade audience for business books—you have to take into account that that market has grown to include millennials who don't want to to read sixty pages to learn two things. They don't need an entire dissertation and, and a treatise. Um, that's not what they're what they're they're looking for. So it has to account for for that. That these business books and this, and whenever you're writing business books i think that some people have in mind if we're going to write for millennials um that has to be a career book or it has to be one of these kind of basic books but you hit the nail on the head that there are so many um that are starting you know businesses in in high school or in their their uh in their college dormitories or in their 20s and they need you know all of the business know-how and knowledge that uh, an executive in their forties or fifties might need, but they need it in a way that they can they need it in a way that they can digest in a way that speaks to to them in a way that that doesn't just turn them off before they even pick up the book, much less get through chapter one
1: and one of the things that I have found um, to be an issue with some of the people that i 'm working with these days is that they are so uh stuck in the old school concept of what a business book should look like it needs to be all dry and factual and and by the numbers and it, it sometimes it even gets a little salesy and it gets very 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 jargonistic very jargonistic yeah. it has no personality <clears throat> it has no personal appeal but what what's selling better these days are those books that where the the author can shake that off a little bit and say, okay, I'm the one writing the book. I've been doing this all these years. Let me tell you a little bit about how I did this and where I came from and how I made this mistake. So you don't have to make that same mistake. And it's a little bit more personal and the more personal approach instead of the dry recitation facts and, and translating all of that jargon into words that actually make sense. To a, a cold reader, to someone who's not already, you know, steeped in all of that um, insider, businesses talk, right. those those are those are more appealing in the marketplace, and I I predict that they will continue to be more and more appealing, and that's the way the world is going. Because I
0: hope so.
1: Because I the, the, the so. dry recitation of facts is just, you know. That's those are going to be shuttled off to be textbooks, and and, and they don't even get read as textbooks. Yeah, this um,
0: is not I'm a proponent. Oh, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. That's all I was going to say. Business is not unemotional. I know we all like to think it is. We want everything to be unemotional, but this is not Vulcan, and we're not all Spock. And business people are very emotional. We try to keep our more negative emotions off of the table and out of the office, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist.
0: Well, and with it you, I think mean that, that, we that people go ahead. I think that people connect on, on on an emotional level, and there are plenty of of business brands that, even though they're they're huge, they've decided to have a book that um, that embodies the the voice and the the spirit of of their founders, so i'm thinking of uh i'm thinking of um tony C and the the founder of 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 Zappos you know he could have written this academic book but he wrote uh you know this this very personal book uh, about you know the journey of of Zappos same thing with um tom shoes you know he he wrote a a book from his own perspective about, you know, the the journey and, and some of this advice. So even these larger brands still see the, uh, the benefit of having a personal connection through a, a business book with their, their readers. So they don't have to create a, a textbook. They want to create something that actually connects with their, their consumers.
1: And I think when they do that, that there's a better chance of retention. It's very, yeah. very hard to retain. Uh, facts and figures, unless you have a facts and figures head. And a lot of business owners are, are they the creative people. They came up with an idea. They came up with a site. They came up with a this or they came up with a that. And they're not, they're not facts and figures people. They're, let's try this. And what if we do that? And wouldn't it be cool if, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg, wouldn't it be cool if? Uber, wouldn't it be cool if? These are not organizations that came out of you know um, some kind of a business model. These are organizations that came out of um, hey I got an idea. What do you think? Would it be cool if even Beth, Jeff Bezos? Would it be cool if why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? What's to hurt? What, would the, what do we got to lose? We have nothing to. Do. I'm a kid. I don't have anything to lose. I'm not going to lose you know my home. I'm not gonna lose my car. I'm too young to have a car. I don't own a home, I still live with mommy and daddy. Wouldn't it be cool if we tried this?
0: <laughs>
1: and that's how businesses are growing. And if it, if we go back, you know, and we think about life um, a little bit less uh, uh, by the numbers, the ways the numbers have been, um, you know, foisted on the canvas these days, people in their um Teens, 13 and 14 and 15, 12, 15, 14, 15 were always the movers and shakers of business. Businesses were started by people who were young. Wars were fought by people who were young. We have always relied on our teenagers and our 20-year-olds to drive the world. Always, always, always. But now that we're living longer, we have forgotten that biological reality that when a man becomes a man and a woman becomes a woman biologically they go into the world and do stuff we forget about that that's just the fact of life it's just it's just historical anthropological reality you can't get away from it unless of course you think the earth is flat but nevertheless um (laughs) people are not going to stop being creative just because we keep trying to put them into boxes and more and more as, as um, we're opening our minds and, uh, and allowing the idea of diversity to be part of our lives, instead of something that's over there that we look at you know, once or twice a year, uh, National Brotherhood Week or something like that, then um, more and more younger people are going to continue to create new businesses. And people in their 20s are going to be looking for direction. And they are all in need of the older generations Knowledge. Now, you can't pretend that business is going to continue the way it's always been. It's going to change. It's changing every day. But if you're a business writer, if you're a business book writer, if you are a consultant, and like I say, there's a billion consultants out there. If you're a speaker, if you've been in business, if you have grown a business and you want to help somebody coming up along in business, well, then tell your story. But tell your story Uh, To get get rid of the, look at me, I'm so great concept, and tell your story along the lines of, you know, I did this, but, you know, in your environment, you might consider doing that. And, And when I tried this, okay, it didn't work, but you might consider doing the other thing. And just like you say, make it personable. Make it personal. I don't know the big brands that you talk about because it's not my field of expertise. I'm a generalist and I do not um, specialize in business books. In fact, I would rather not specialize in business books. I would also rather not specialize in child sexual abuse survivor books, but I do an awful lot of those as well. And it still comes down to the same thing whether it's nonfiction, whether it's business, which is as nonfiction as you can get. I mean, there's except, you know, textbooks, math, science engineering textbooks, those are even more nonfiction. But as far as a trade book is concerned, a business book is as nonfiction as you can get, unless you're writing a trade physics book. Um, and even the trade physics books are, are, that I read are, are pretty personal. You, you have to keep in mind, not just who your audience used to be, but who your audience is and is going to be. This is 2017, in less than three years we're going to be into the third decade of the 21st century
0: (laughs) don't remind me i'm i'm still i'm still getting ready for y2k i can't i can't pretend that it's about to be 2020.
1: it's about to be 2020 and (laughs) i will probably even live to be to 2050. um Probably. It's not that long in the future. Yeah, maybe not. That's a long way away. I'm old and crotchy now. But still, I know (laughs) when I write something, when I write something that I am not writing for the people my age, they already know what I have to know. And in fact, if they don't know what I have to know, I'll bet you there's nine million other books already out there by people my age, written to people my age. I don't need to write another one. But Look at all the other people I can write to. There are even more of them. People in their 40s, people in their 30s, people in their 20s, people coming home from the military who now have to do something with their lives. People who, you know, are eschewing um, college because college is the great, you know, it, it's it's just, a, uh, for people, it's a time waste. For other people, it's absolutely essential. Um, it, uh, the people who... Grow the businesses and hire all the employees. Are the ones who need your book. The people who are stuck in a, a an occupation or in a job, and they know that they have the creativity and they have the drive and they have the ambition to do something more. They need your book. The people who are trying to figure out what in the world to do in this life, because life has gotten so squirrely. It is not the same as it was when I was a kid. It is not the same as it was when Derek was a kid, and Derek's a lot younger than me it's still not the same. (laughs) It's not the same. Life is changing
0: constantly. Well, Claudia, you know, you, you've hit on so many of the benefits that, that without saying it, so so many of the benefits that come with working with a ghostwriter. And one of them is, you know, having this industry, in-depth industry knowledge, having, um, uh, your, your finger on the pulse of the industry, having an idea of the different kinds of, of readers and the, the different kinds of ways that you should shape your book. So we've talked about all the benefits. Let's dig down into talking about what it's like to work with a, a ghostwriter. Um, so you know, one of the the big misconceptions that um, you you your efforts have gone a long way in dispelling is that uh, you know somebody one person writes the book, and then somebody else gets all the, the credit. And that's not ghostwriting at, at all. So talk about the misconceptions of ghostwriting and then talk about the realities of, of ghostwriting.
1: Well, I'll be happy to add, and that just kind of dovetails with, with um, something I was explaining to my um, ghostwriting class last night. It We all remember I Love Lucy and the episode in which she sat down with a bunch of yellow pads and she wrote, a, wrote wrote, wrote, and then she sent it all off just like that to a publisher and the publisher sent her a check and she was a published author. Isn't that sweet? And that was never real. Ladies and gentlemen, please, from the bottom of my heart, that was never real. It's never a solitary occupation. I know we say this all the time. Writing is so lonely, it's, it's a solitary occupation. In actual fact, writing, May be a solitary occupation, but creating a book is not it never has been and in today 's world, you can't afford to think that way anymore because if you do, you 're shooting yourself in the foot here 's the way ghostwriting really works it's very, very intimate it 's you, the author, and me the ghostwriter or or Derek the ghostwriter or Kata ghost the ghostwriter, or leave the ghostwriter, or Beth the ghostwriter, or Ruhala the ghostwriter, or um, uh, uh, I don't remember all of the, my other ghostwriters, I I've, I've, I've graduated a whole bunch of them, so almost, almost 100 ghostwriters so far. Um, it's you, you and the ghostwriter getting together and figuring out what you should put into the book, what you want to put into the book and making a list, and then just talking about everything you want to talk about, everything, without worrying about form or without worrying about you know putting it in the right order or without worrying about if you're saying the wrong thing or without worrying, without worrying that you're throwing your um, partner under the bus, okay? We'll take that out later. And without worrying that um, you're calling your client a complete and utter idiot, we'll take that out later. We'll fix that later. We won't call him a complete and total idiot. We'll call him a partial idiot. We'll, we'll qualify a little bit, but that will come later. First, we just talk about everything and we record it all. And then we transcribe it. And then we've got what you want to say. And then we start to put it in order. And then the ghostwriter writes the first chapter based on everything that you and the ghostwriter have discussed. They write the first chapter. You already know what it's going to be about because you and the ghostwriter have worked out the the, the table of contents. They've worked out the, the outline of the book. And the ghostwriter sends you that chapter and you look at it and say, oh, I really did throw my partner under the bus. No, we can't say that. And you know what? I totally forgot that the idea came from my great aunt Sylvia's cousin's third um, son. And we need to put that in. And, and you go back and forth with the ghostwriter and the, the chapter to make sure that everything says what it's supposed to say the way you want it to be said. One chapter. And then you know what you do with the second chapter? The exact same thing back and forth on every single chapter. The ghostwriter puts it together based on what you've already talked about, what's already been recorded and transcribed, and sends it to you. And then you say, I don't like that. I do like that. I forgot to take that out. And do you think they're gonna sue me about this? Okay, well, let's take that right out. And, uh, and you go back and forth and back and forth on every single chapter. When you get done with the entire book, it will have been a very intimate thing between you and the ghostwriter. And you might think, oh, the ghostwriter probably will going to want a piece of this, this book. And no, they don't. It's not their book. It's not their book. It's your book. Because without you, the book wouldn't exist. Now, the book could exist without the ghostwriter. You could do it on your own. It's going to take a lot more time. And it may not come out as well. It probably won't come out as well. But it's your information. It's your concepts. It's your story. It's your perspective. It's your everything. So it's your book. That's rule number three of the ghostwriting. There are only five rules in ghostwriting. And the third rule is it's not my book because it's not our book. So when the whole book is done, then the ghostwriter is gonna go back and do another pass and send it to a, a clump. And this is called the line editing pass. And this is where we put in the music and the rhythm of, of uh, the editorial music and rhythm into the manuscript and make sure that the words are exactly the same, but the punctuation is gonna be a little bit different because we have new punctuation rules. When did that happen? Oh, in the last 18 months. No big deal, I'm I'm getting used to it. and we're gonna make sure that the coding is correct so that your publisher doesn't kick it back to you and say, well, I love the manuscript, but um, you have to make sure that it's styled this way and styled that way and you forgot the other thing, and blah, blah, blah. We take care of all of that. You don't have to blow your head about that. I mean, even, even self-publishing services are now kicking um, manuscripts back or demanding more money to take care of that coding because things do not re um, uh, reflow. Correctly, and even in ebooks, even in ebooks, if you do not format and then style it correctly. So we take care of that. We do final edit. We send it to a proofreader, and you have a book. It is a team effort. It's you and the ghostwriter, the copy editor, if there's a copy editor, the proofreader, the designer, okay, and the ad people, and the cover art and the publisher or publishing service or however you do it, it's a team. It takes a team to make a viable, marketable product that's going to fly in the marketplace instead of drop like a rock in the abyss of titles that are not well-crafted, are not well-conceived, are not well-targeted, and do not take into consideration where the reader is actually going to be.
0: Claudia, what are some of the, yeah, what are some of the, um, uh, the surprises or the, the misconceptions? What are some of the big uh, hurdles or stumbling blocks that uh, ghostwriters and, and their clients sometimes find themselves facing?
1: Well, let's see. Hmm. I think one of the big ones is that miscommunication about who the audience is. I think another one is. Um, uh i'm trying to think i don't usually have too many surprises with my clients because i've been doing this so long i i I'm, I'm kind of moving on a <laughs> easy well you know well oiled uh track here but uh um, well, you've gotten to, that, you've gotten to that I, I run into with 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 new people is, is um, sometimes people who are trying to write books do not think that they it should cost any money. And it shouldn't cost any money, they're absolutely right. All they have to do if they don't want to spend any money is put in the time to learn to do it themselves because in life, everything costs. You either pay for it with money or you pay for it with time. The ghostwriter has spent the time to know what they're doing and to know the business. If you don't want to pay you know, for that expertise, then you spend the time to know what you're doing and you spend the time to learn the business. It's- it's doable. Yeah, it's going to cost some money because everything costs money. <laughs> and at the end, will you have figured out everything you need to figure out? I don't know. That's up to you. My crystal ball needs a good polishing. Uh, I can't answer that kind of question, but I can tell you that ghostwriters, if you're if you're looking for ghostwriters on, on Craigslist and you're looking for somebody who's going to write your business book, for five hundred dollars or seventy-five hundred dollars, you are on a fool's errand, and you're just blowing your money for no good. You know, instead of doing spending your money on that, take your spouse out or your kids out and have a great vacation because it's not going to get you a book. It's not going to get you the the um, the marketing tool that will open doors for you as a consultant. It's not going to get you the marketing tool that will get you that speakers. Um, Uh, It's not going to get you the tool that's going to help other people. It's not going to get you the tool that's going to elevate your standing in your field so that people turn to you for answers. It's not going to get you what you want. If you want quality, then you have to pay quality prices. If you want, you know, if you want a Kia, then buy a Kia. If you want... If you want an SUV, then you're going to have to pay for the SUV. If you want a Lamborghini, then you have to pay for a Lamborghini. It's it's the same thing in ghostwriting as it is in everything else. And I think that's probably the biggest disconnect I run into, is that I run into authors who want my expertise, so they want the expertise of the certified ghostwriters that I've trained, but they don't want to have to pay for it. And they don't have to pay for it. Because writing a book is not shelter, it's not food, it's not medical help. It's it's a want. It's not a need. So you can do anything you want, but if your desires are more than just a passing fancy, if you actually want to be effective, if you want to create something of quality, if you want something that you can Show to friends and family and colleagues and potential um, uh, clients or even potential uh, employers. It doesn't have to be a log book, but even potential employers, if you want something that demonstrates your quality, that is a witness to who you are, what you know and what you've accomplished, then invest in yourself because that's the biggest disconnect I've run into. I want the quality, I don't want to pay for it. I'm sorry. I can't help everyone.
0: What about um what about a royalty arrangement versus a, a flat fee? I know that in, in a lot of other industries um one or the other make maybe more sense, but in with business books, uh it's it's really a case by case uh issue.
1: I don't know anything about um ghostwriters who who work what I call collaboration deals. I've never been a collaborator. I've always been a ghostwriter. When I'm done with the project, you and I walk away, we shake hands because whatever, we walk away from each other. You never have to pay me another dime. I'm not going to show up and talk about your book. I'm not gonna, you know, pull the, the Ah, the thing that, that uh, Trump's ghostwriter, who wasn't a ghostwriter pulled, because he wasn't a ghostwriter, his name was on the book, and he got part of the deal. And that's the problem with getting part of the deal, is that you have the right to say anything you want. You have the right to say anything you want. Your name's on the book. Okay? I don't believe in that. I believe in ghostwriting being exactly what it has traditionally and historically always been. It is me. I have my gifts and my talent you, the author, know what you want. You have a book that you need to get out of you. Let's get together. I will help you, for a fee, bring that out of you and make it into a quality product that you will be proud of. This will get you where you want to go. You will pay me. I will walk away. You never have to mention my name ever again. I'm not going to come back and talk you down. I'm not going to come back and talk you up. I'm not going to come back and mention you. It's your book. Completely. Totally and without any strings attached. You've paid me, I'm done. With our company. It's clean, it's simple, it's legal. It is the legal definition of ghost train.
0: Or so says the Supreme Court. <laughs> well, Claudia, I mean, you're a wealth of, of knowledge, and, and we could... Honestly, sit here for another hour easily, and uh, and let me pick your brain. But I know that you have um, I know that you have a, a packed schedule, and we're coming to the the end of our time. Is there anything that you would like to leave um, our, um, our our listeners with before we uh, before we sign off? Yes, just one thing.
1: You are a business person. If you want to write a business book, that means you are a business person, and you understand. Business and you understand um, cost of goods sold, you understand quality, you understand what you need in order to advance your business. A business book is a marketing tool, pure and simple, beyond all other things, beyond the personal satisfaction, beyond the personal or the company memoir, beyond you know, just just relaying your knowledge to the next generation. It is a marketing tool and it is the definitive marketing tool. You don't have to reproduce it. Once it's done, you've got it. And once it's done and you've built your audience on it, if you decide you want to do another version, you've already got your built-in market. It is a win-win situation. For any business owner or business consultant, to do a business book. There's just no downside to it. So think quality. You want this to be a quality literary property because that's what it is. It's a literary property, an intellectual property. It's a product. And I know that you're not putting out shoddy product. You wouldn't. You wouldn't want your name associated with a shoddy product. It's not gonna get you where you wanna go. So put the quality of your life and your life's work and your business into your book and let it take you to the next step that you want to go to. And I wish you nothing but luck. And I think that's all I have to say.
0: (laughs) Well, that's a great, that's a great note to, uh, to end on. Um, for everybody who's, uh, who's listening, if, um, if you are looking for uh a great book on the on understanding publishing and and uh being able to have take advantage of of Claudia's decades uh, in the industry um make sure that you get the most recent edition it just came out actually a few weeks ago maybe maybe 2 months ago is uh, the 5th edition of this business of books and um if you're speaking to uh, to anyone who's even thinking about becoming a, a ghostwriter, steer them to uh, the ghostwriter certification program out of uh, CSU Long Beach.
1: Absolutely, Claudia, and um, and if if you if you're looking for one of the best book ghostwriters, there are business book ghostwriters in the world. Derek is definitely one of them, and we are we're not in cahoots. We do not take anything off of each other's business, but we are very much associates. And we do provide support for each other because that, like any profession, is what professionals do. Always working professionals. Derek, thank you so much for this opportunity. I do have to go.
0: Claudia, it has been my absolute pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thank you. You have a great day. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I, I wish you well with your book. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.